Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, December 2nd. This is episode 76, and I am Tony. And I am Dennis. And we're going to get to 76 as a number here <laughs> later in the I episode. know, it crossed my mind as I was saying <laughs> it. I was like, oh, hey, that works. Uh, and we're remote. We normally record in the same place, but we're back to the old ways, the dark ways. Yeah, because, well, pretty much my entire family has the plague, and... I'm tired because yesterday was busy. It was really busy. So what's been going on since episode 75? Um, I'm no longer on call. Uh, I'm actually able to go do things again. It's amazing. Um, most of what's been going on that's actually worth talking about is set up. So we'll talk about it later on in the show. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. Uh, so I'm going to go with that because the other stuff, I don't think anybody's really going to care about. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't have much new, uh, personal news that's of any interest to any of the listeners. So, uh, I was going to note that we were both on the Slam Tilt podcast last week. That was yes, we were. Episode 118. That is a podcast that is focused on pinball. Have a link to it in the show notes. So if people want to go and check that out. We can't, uh, you can. We already have, obviously, because we were there. Um, and we played a very massive amount of game you like, game you hate, which was a pinball segment that they used to do on their show in the, in the earlier episodes. And we so, definitely made up for it. Yes. I think it was almost two hours <laughs> worth of content there. I mean, the whole episode, not just, the, not just the game, but the game was the book of the content, but I thought it was fun. It uh, was. And I'm, I'm glad that they, uh, they were good sports about it. And then the other big thing, of course, has been I just got back less than an hour ago from Casey GameCon, and we're going to touch on pinball and Casey GameCon in the pinball segment. So we'll do more on that in a little bit. But let's go ahead and pivot to pinball, and let's start with some news items. I really only have two. One we happen to talk about on the Slam Tilt podcast, but we'll briefly touch on it here, and that is Stern Pinball announced Primus Pinball. That is a 100-game run. Yes, themed around the band Primus. Very trippy artwork. Uh, Jeremy Packer, a.k.a. Zombie Yeti, did the art package. The game is using that Woe Nelly, Big Juicy Melons play field that was used for Pabst Can Crusher a while ago. So right. It's got the two-inch flippers. It's sort of a reminiscent of an EM-era style game. I believe the price point is $8,000. Uh, in my opinion, this is basically a vanity project for Primus, and it's only going to be attractive to people who are after Primus memorabilia and have the money to to get it. You can get a Woe Nelly for well under $8,000. I could understand that you'd probably prefer this art package than one that's quite that offensive. but Right, but let's be honest, of the games made with this play field, this is still not the best. Uh, Can Crusher still has the best art package. Um, I mean, I would probably prefer Can Crusher, yeah, but it, that really comes down to a style choice. It seems like in the world of pinball aficionados, Christopher Franchi and Jeremy Packer tend to kind of vie for who is the favorite, and Dirty Donnie, who did the Paps Can Crusher art package, tends to be the greatly respected but third-place finisher in that ranking. But again, that just comes down to what people like in terms of style. But Can Crusher is more interesting than Primus and, as you said, does not have the offensive issues that you have off of Wonelli. And it's got a bitchin' van. 
Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, uh, other news item. Oh, I didn't put this one in the notes, but, uh, more leaks are happening regarding the Munsters pinball machine. I did actually see some of those the other day. Yeah. Some, so there've been some more photos that have leaked. Uh, the rules have leaked. Uh, I believe there was uh, now a confirmation that the actor who played Eddie Munster, as well as I believe an actress who was involved with that show are going to be at Texas pinball festival. So it's essentially all, but officially confirmed i was just now looking to see if maybe there has been official confirmation you know so we'd actually not miss this late breaking news but but you know it is the weekend Um, right so it'll come it'll come tomorrow because since we're recording today it'll come tomorrow that's what it happens i mean i have i have been thinking and i continue to think at this point that that munsters is going to be announced before 2019 officially announced i wouldn't be surprised well, and the reason I, I'm saying that is they right now the Stern Facebook page has been all about the Beatles, like uh, uh, Paul McCartney playing the game and all that. So they're still really advertising all of that. But the thing is, Stern's emphasized that they have three cornerstone titles a year. Well, we've only had two cornerstone titles this year. We had Iron Maiden at the start of the year, and then back in August or so was Deadpool. So – we haven't had the third one. Beatles isn't a cornerstone. It's a Kapow title. Primus is a boutique project. Supreme was a boutique project. Star Trek was a vault edition. So those aren't cornerstones. That's what I'm basing it on. I don't think there's anything wrong with that assumption. Um, I agree with you. Uh, and I think they will probably announce. If they don't announce before the end of the year, it'll be announced right in the opening weeks of next year. I mean, I, I could see them delay. I I just, I think that, I don't think they're married as hardcore to the three cornerstones as maybe the hobbyists think. I think it really comes down to production though. If the sales on Deadpool and the back catalog, including Iron Maiden, are still going strong and they don't really need to put a new game on the line, then they'll wait. They're they're not going to rush it just so they can say, oh, well, we got three cornerstones out in the year. In fact, they might not even think about it in terms of calendar years. They have still a couple months i think until they actually reached the 12 month anniversary of iron maiden so it doesn't have to be december i'm just that's my guess and uh let's go ahead and just hit on the the last minor news item i saw a few days ago uh on pinside actually that pinball star which is a distributor uh, they distribute a number of manufacturers like uh, jersey jack uh, and also they've been selling the mafia pin or trying to sell the mafia pinball machine because they did note that the game is limited to 20. And last, when we talked about this, the game was limited to 100. So <laughs> this tells me one thing. It probably tells you the same thing. That it's another failure and they didn't sell any of the hundred. Well, then maybe they sold a few, but here's part of the thing that like it's at a $7,500 price point, if I remember, but that's actually unit 11 and beyond the first 10, which have a special plaque and everything. I think those were asking and still are asking for closer to 10,000. Why? Because they're special. I'm not going to argue about them being Special. special. Okay. Well, there's nothing to argue about then. Uh, and I wasn't trying to get an argument. I was just saying that, you know, I thought Mafia was very, very important. And it's it's proving what I thought it as a test case 
needed to prove that you cannot just rely solely on a limited run quantity to ask for an exorbitant price for a simplistic game. This was an important test. We didn't know if it was true or not. An unworking game like Magic Girl was trading between twenty dollars and $30,000 at one point. So I think it was reasonable that people might think, oh, this hobby's crazy. They'll just do, they'll do whatever if it's going to be limited. They'll spend whatever. And apparently the number of people willing to do that for an EM style game in particular, at least, is very limited. Very limited. I'd say limited to less than 20. Uh, that would be my guess. And it makes sense to me. Because there was nothing about that game that was worth that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, that's all I have for pinball news. So let's go to the uh, second and primary pinball topic. And I touched on it in my introduction. Casey GameCon. It is going on right now still for a couple more hours, in fact. Uh, in terms uh, of gonna, Right. Though by the time anybody actually hears this, it'll have been over for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying rush out there and go visit. It's a little late for that. Uh, but I, I was there today. Um, it was, I got in about 30 minutes after the pinball side opened and it was very quiet. That was 1030 in the morning. So it was, it was relatively quiet, but a number of people started to go in. You could see a lot of people who I think using my powers of stereotyping, I could safely say were probably there for the video game side of things were coming over and they were playing games. While they had downtime, and we saw that uh, yesterday when the, yeah, tur- a lot of when the tournament was going, and I also saw that on Friday, which was the first official day. But I've actually been out there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I am exhausted. <laughs> this is like working a work conference. Holy crap! Yeah, uh, I can understand. That's just that's a lot of, especially to be working it the whole time. Yeah, it was just like, uh, and at least, I mean, they weren't full days for me. Uh, yesterday obviously was, today was about half a day. Friday was, they started at about five. Uh, I started a little after four. So that was about half a day, I suppose. And then Thursday was really just set up and it was relatively quiet. But let's talk a little bit about the 2018 KC GameCon Pinball Championship. So let me give some background, I guess, for, for listeners who are not really familiar. We've touched on this a little bit in prior episodes, but. KC GameCon is an esporting event. There was a group called KC Game On that in in the Kansas City area sort of organizes tournaments and stuff for video games. So uh, things like Fortnite, uh, Call of Duty, that sort of stuff. But once a year, they have a convention. So they go and they get a space. It's usually near the airport in Kansas City, Missouri. And they just have like these live LAN parties and they have some live tournaments. There's, there's commentators, there's, uh, vendors, there's cosplay. So it's kind of like, uh, a convention, a video game convention. And this year, Pinball was invited to attend. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of notice. It was only about, uh, two or three months, I think. And Carrie Wing, who is a area tournament player and collector, she took the lead on this. She organized this tournament and did all of the work to get all of the various people pulled together. And that's where we came in because at one of the tournaments, one one of them that you had to miss, but when I was at, she came up and said that they would really like it if you and I would be a commentary team and live stream the pinball championship on Saturday, December 1st. And of course, we said, "Yeah." 
Yeah, yeah, we were we were like, yeah, sure, whatever, we can do we can do commentary. <laughs> we can do that. Um, we're good. I've, it, I've watched I've watched commentary. It doesn't look to be that hard. <laughs> yeah, well, and <laughs> and that's yeah. Uh, I mean, it depends on how one defines hard, I suppose. Uh, the the first thing was sort of that the scope of it, as originally explained, expanded to how it actually ended up, and that's more on the technical the technical side. So originally, it just seemed like they wanted us to do commentary and wanted to know if we were able to bring a computer that could drive all of the commentary equipment, which I happen to have, so that was no problem. And then that kind of, as we did tests and we were getting things ready and, uh, we were starting to stream more on Twitch through our podcast channel. Uh, it started to be more like, okay, well, now we're supplying the cameras. Now we're supplying the cords. Now we're basically at the end of the day, yesterday, all of the equipment was ours. We used our cameras. We used our rigs and we, and that's all fine. It's just that meant we had to go and figure out all the setup stuff. And that was part of. The challenge that we had with this, I was talking with Carrie today and she said that her expectations for our commentary were very, very low. And then she clarified because I was like, oh, very low, huh? Like down on the floor low. You didn't really expect much out of us. And she's like, no, no, no. What I meant was I would have been happy if there had been a single camera on a single game that was just capturing footage from that game for the entire day. That for her would have been awesome. That's what they were hoping for. We went and, beyond that. Oh, no. We, yeah, we've seen, well, Tony and I watch esports commentary stuff all the time. Oh, yeah. So, Constantly. I mean, that's uh, here in my home, especially with me and my older, oldest daughter, we watch esports constantly. Yeah. And I've seen a number of pinball tournaments streamed. I've, of course, seen people like Dead Flip Jack Danger doing their streaming. And so, there have been things that I've picked up that I really like that other streamers have done in pinball and also things I hate that I didn't want to have be a problem for us. So the way we did it was we put together and there's a, I should go ahead and say we have a link in the show notes to the full stream and it's 10 hours long. So you're welcome. Yeah. But, have a good day. Yeah, have a good day. But. So the way we went ahead about it is we took two boom mic rigs, which had two cameras on them, one for the scores and one for the play fields. And we would, so we'd have two games set up every round. And there were, this was a match play tournament. It was a cap of 48 players. There was one no show and there was a wait list. So I believe they had no problem filling that out. They played three qualifying rounds on banks of three games. So it's four-player match play, banks of three, one EM, one solid state, one dot matrix display game. And so every round of those three qualifying rounds, when there was finally a lull, when there was a break, and there was a break between each round, Tony would go over and start repositioning those rigs. And then we'd get those hooked in, and then... I'd be over at the commentary desk and Tony would be positioning those games so that we could get as much of the play field captured and get as the scores in. And Tony, you got by the end of it, you were like eyeballing it. You didn't even need me anymore. Well, no, we, they still needed some adjustment. Yeah. yeah, By by the end of it, we definitely got to the point where it was, uh, you could kind of just by looking at it, know how close it was. Uh, by the way, because we moved him enough times during the course of the day, and 
Uh, and, and it was humorous when you're sitting there and it's between things and you're running around and you're moving them around and you're moving cables and you're crawling under all the pinball machines trying to get everything set up. And yeah, it was interesting and it was a good time though. Uh, definitely. And I'm glad I wasn't doing it again today. Oh um, yeah. No. Well, to a 10 hour, I mean, while we weren't talking the entire 10 hours, when those break screens are up, other than the break for lunch, it was generally we had to do stuff. It was, you'd see on the stream, you can see on the stream when we're actually going and relabeling because we had to activate the scenes, uh, to relabel the camera, uh, the games and flip the cameras because we were swiveling them so much. You just had to keep inverting the images and, and trying to get them all positioned and looking at what it would look like live. But in between all of that, it was trying to figure out what the next banks are, trying to figure out if the banks are going to have the same number of people on them or if there are going to be any multi-group banks, because if there are, that's better for us because we have a better likelihood of showing a good amount of content because we're trying to minimize downtime where you just had to hear us talk. You're trying to make sure there was as much gameplay as we could get because during qualifying, it was seven people deep. That was one of our challenges because we were pushing our USB hubs and connections. And quite frankly, we were out of cameras that we owned at that point that were functional with the, with the setup that we could not accommodate player cams. So we were running a five camera setup. We had the built in camera for the laptop, which was what we used as our commentary cam. And then we had the two rigs with two cameras for score and play field. So that's five. And to make sure that they always kept going, we left those all running simultaneously into the system. So I know this is getting a little technical for people, but so one of the problems that we quickly found out during qualifying is we couldn't even see who was playing that. We didn't know who was playing the game. Not at all. I, between everybody lined up and waiting for their, their t- turns up at the machines and everything. When we were working the full uh, press, it was, we couldn't even see the machines. All we saw was a wall of backs. Yeah, it was packed and that's good. It was packed. And, and, but a lot of times we just had to refer to people by players. Sometimes we'd have other people, the attendees, the players would tell us who the people were who were playing. So we'd start to get a sense of it. Tony started to uh, look up the names in the match play software so we could try and, and then we'd know who the group was, but we didn't always, it was so thick though. Sometimes we couldn't tell who was, which one was actually playing. So, you know, just first, first world streaming problems. By the time of finals, we knew, we knew who everyone was, who everyone was. So. So we did it like that. So we'd show two games per round. And then once we got to novice finals and A division finals, we showed every game that those groups played. Uh, and we, we checked with those groups and they were fine with it. And because it was a bank, that was nice. We could always put one rig between game one and game two, have the second rig on game three. And then that would just be a very simple, what I call the Tony pivot. Tony wouldn't have to unplug any cables. It was just spin those cameras around. I'd flip the images and then he just had to line up the score cams and the playfield cam a little bit. And that would be it. And we usually got that done within 90 seconds. So yeah, easily. I was really pleased with how efficient it ended up being. Uh, I guess we should go ahead and say, uh, now the novice winner, uh, it was Paige. Yes. Uh, uh, Paige that I cannot for the life of me tell how to, how to pronounce her last name. It's, uh, Ilsley, I think. Ilsley, L-L-S-L-E-Y. Yeah, we should have asked her. What's Yes, name? we should have. She's Paige to us. Uh, yes. She won, no- she won Novice Division uh, handily, I would say. There was mm-hmm. no tiebreakers needed for anyone in Novice. Uh, it seemed she, she gave a fairly, fairly dominant performance. So uh, it was not 
to me, it wasn't really a surprising win. I was, again, the novice, I think the novice cutoff was anyone who was not in the IFPA at the rank of above 2000. If you're above 2000, you, you're ineligible for novice. But so I thought that was really neat. I'm really glad we streamed the novice finals because I think that it's good to see what people who aren't always doing this at a high level all the time or are maybe newer to the game or just don't play in tournaments so much, actually seeing how they play particular games was pretty interesting, especially given how hard some of these games were set up. Oh, they were. Oh, and oh, there oh. were some brutal, brutal. What, what Steve Hill did to your hoops was evil. I mean, Hoops was playing like a really nasty old EM. That's what it was playing like. It was so brutal. Yeah, uh, Steve Hill, who is uh, currently the, I believe currently the number one uh, player ranked in Kansas, he is very knowledgeable on rules, and he was very involved with a lot of the game setup, and he tested most of the games. And I believe the general rule of thumb was all games were were e- were evilified except the EMs were basically untouched. So we had this, you know, this massive assortment of games and it, it was just like, yeah, you if you thought you knew how a particular game played, like for example, the the um attack from Mars. They set it up to it still ended up playing fairly long, but it's AFM, to, it's always going right, to. Right, but people who are used to saying, "Oh yeah, uh, attack from Mars. I'll just go into my multi-ball. Well, it took six shots because you had to re-earn the lock every single time, even from the very first multi-ball. And they thought, well, maybe that will help dissuade people from doing that. Plus, the initial light where you have to actually go all the way around on the ramp back is a harder shot than just getting the balls in the lock itself. So, so it's things like that. Uh, just to quickly run through for people, the games we had were the I remember these are banks of three, but the EMs were Bronco as a Gottlieb 1977. We had Grand Prix, a perennial favorite of many tournament players. It's a Williams 76 game. Uh, High Hand, which is a Gottlieb 73. Jumping Jack, which is a Gottlieb 73. And then on the solid state, we had Meteor, which is a Stern 79. Frontier, which is a Bally 1980. Future Spa, which is a Bally 79. Hoops, which is a premiere 1991. And then on the DMD side, we had Attack from Mars, which is Bally 95, though I think this was the remake. Um, Iron Man, which is a Stern 2010. Mustang Premium, which is a Stern 2014. And Disney Tron Legacy, which is a Stern 2011. We, uh, in the qualifying, we were able to stream six games and we, the focus that Carrie wanted and I completely agree with was try and stream games that people don't usually get to see. Yeah, and that was that that was something that I really enjoyed uh because most of those games are so much less common. I mean, I didn't care about showing an AFM because everybody knows AFM. Right. So, when it was all said and done, because we also hit on more when we were doing the semifinals and the final rounds, we streamed every every electromechanical we were able to get. We got all of the solid state games except Future Spa. And the only dot matrix game that showed was, oh, we got two. I'm sorry. We got Mustang and we got Tron. So the only games we did not get were Future Spa, Iron Man, and Attack from Mars. And, uh, I, I kind of wish we had gotten Future Spa, but 
people see Attack from Mars in Iron Man all the time, I feel. So I was in no way heartbroken that that, that didn't work out. But, you know, by the ideally, the banks were all, always chosen randomly, even for finals. So it was just luck of the draw at that point. And there just weren't any games being played on on Future Spa and Iron Man in the finals. So it was just right. That's why that's why we got so much time on, you know, Grand Prix and Mustang and Hoops and and Frontier. Yeah, that bank uh, ended up multiple times towards the end. So we, yeah, we had uh, at least two rounds with uh, Grand Prix. We had two rounds with Mustang. We would have had three rounds with Hoops. Hoops was in that bank, but the in the semifinals for Novice and uh, quarterfinals for A Division when we were on that bank, that we weren't doing the rotation of the camera yet. We're still doing the two for a round. And so Hoops was the odd man out because unfortunately it was underneath a giant lamp. And so Tony turned that down eventually. It became much more watchable, but um, it was more painful to watch that than the other game that was also caught in that glare, which was um, Grand Prix. But Grand mm-hmm. Prix was more on the edge of it. Hoops, you could barely even see the left flipper uh, until it was turned down. And then it looked it was tolerable then. But but that was just another lesson we learned while we were going along. So those were the games we streamed. Um Tony and I did the commentary the entire time. During A Division finals, Steve Hill actually joined us. Uh, I, I noticed when I, I started looking back at some of that footage at the end and I saw there were a few other people, they, they wised up. We had someone, uh, Gordon Brown brought up a giant projector and they were projecting the stream onto a screen, which was great. It was really funny too, because it's like the 30 second delay. So people would drain and in, in finals, they would run over and look at the screen to see what, what they did wrong. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was, it was awesome. But here's the thing. Other people who didn't like those delays wisened up that Tony and I were on our computer seeing things like a half second behind. So they started watching over our shoulders because that was basically real time <laughs> because then they weren't in the way of the people actually playing the game. And it was way before what was happening on the screen. Also, the projector was overheating because we didn't have any way to give it additional fan support. So Tony had to keep turning it off and turning it back on. And people were getting upset because they couldn't see what was happening and it would cut out on them. And I was just like, guys, like I can't do anything about it. Guys, you're, you're not the ones playing. Just listen, just, just watch the commentary. They should have just loaded up the commentary on, on Twitch on their phones. It, we had free Wi-Fi. Uh, and, and I, I liked it when we, when we'd get, uh, real loud or, 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 or something about something we watched, even people who weren't watching the stream because of the delay, you'd see them, them turn around and jump up and look over to see the stream. Mm. I didn't know that, that we just, okay. yeah, I noticed it a couple of times where, 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 where we, where we, you know, it's like, Oh, great save. Yeah. And also you'd see like three people turn and look at the, Look at the thing. <laughs> I did see a few people who had walked in the back, would walk back past the seven deep when it, you know, wasn't their turn. They're going to, they just finished apparently. And then there would be, you know, three people in front of them. And I, mm-hmm. we'd be saying something like, Oh, what a t- terrible drink. Oh, oh, why did he nudge it that hard? You can't do that on these games. And they're hearing you criticize them and just giving you these looks. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know it was that bad. It's like, should watch the commentary. You didn't know. <laughs> should watch that. You should have helped with setup. You'd really have known. Holy cow. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was fun. 
it sounds like, uh, again, when I was there today, I had a, a good opportunity to speak with uh, Carrie and Adam McKinney were basically working the registration desk. And I, I sat there with them for a while. And it sounds like the staff of KC GameCon are very pleased with how the pinball side. I mean, I don't know what they're measuring with. They Bottom line is, apparently, they really like it. And they've already asked for pinball to come back next year. Very nice. So... I asked, are, is next, are next year, are they going to, to surround us with the gamers so that more of them have to walk through the pinball area? And, and Carrie's like, uh, I think we kind of like being off on our own. Yeah, it was kind of nice being off on our own. No, it, no, that was one of the things I did find is interesting because I did go and wander the video game site a couple of times. And they had uh, – it, it was flat-out labeled as Streamer Row where they had all of their commentators and streamers set up for the. Oh, it was so nice. And and it's so nice. And I'm looking at, and they've got these beautiful rigs and this and that and all these amazing machines. And you're sitting there with like four screens and everything set up. And it's like, and and, and they've got like really, I mean, we're using, you know, the little cams. They're using like full up, like 4K, nice video cams and this and that. And it's like, wow, I I wouldn't mind getting to that point someday. It would be cool. uh, I mean, but. You know, they've got their, they've also got their live, live feeds into the, into the games themselves. And, right. And meanwhile, over, over in what I call pinball alley, it's like, no, Tony, you're, turn it your other left. The camera's inverted. No, no, the other way. We've re, <laughs> we've re, I don't know which direction it is anymore. Just keep turning it. Turn, Just turn it. it. <laughs> Plug in the cords. No, no, the other the way. The cords are falling out. We need more masking tape. <laughs> <laughs> all, we got we got these repeater cords everywhere they're labeled like p1 b1 p2 b2 you can't even read them anymore they're so squished up and that was mostly just because i'm trying to manage the amount of bandwidth going through each usb port on the laptop uh desperately trying to make sure that all the cameras always work that was i mean in theory it didn't matter which cord anything was plugged into but it, it was just oh my god all these external cameras are ridiculous pinball Pinball streaming's really hard compared to video yeah. game. It's like it, it is, and that, and that's especially when you're doing it where you're moving the cameras constantly. You're moving everything. Is you're if you're not just locking them down on 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 one or two machines for the whole run, it's a uh, definitely makes things more interesting. But yeah, Carrie, uh, because she's been so focused on getting the tournament and the scoring and the software and the registrations all set up for all of that. She did not really know what to expect. She did not realize that we were going to be covering two games around. We were going to be moving the rigs and that we were going to be able to, and we had all the, she knew we, I'd written up rules, rules guides on all the games so we could talk about all the games without, uh, being incompetent on them, but that we would just be actually providing a running commentary through all the qualifying and everything and it's like i've seen pinball tournaments that do that and i've seen pinball tournaments that don't do it and in my opinion you want the commentary all the time it's just about the only way to make it really watchable except to hardcore people so because if anyone wants to go and look at it later now you can as obnoxious as a 10-hour video with someone like me talking is you can still just say look at this listen you watch this you can you can learn how to play frontier watching this yeah, especially when you go through uh, when we got out on the frontier in the A finals, and uh, Steve Hill, who owns that particular frontier, gave us every down and dirty on that machine. Sure, you probably you probably you'll feel the waves of knowledge overwhelm you as you're learning about which drop targets advance which multiplier for which of the two bonuses you want to be gathering. 
if you're not going for spinner all day, which no one was, but yeah, and we saw some really, of course, we saw some very, very brutal play coming from a lot of these games. We also saw some pretty amazing play. We saw, uh, we got on stream when we didn't know until the end actually who it was. Uh, but Sunshine Bond had, uh, blown up Frontier. She set the new grand champion on the game. And, and that was round one. That, uh, that was, that, yeah. That was, yeah, round it one. It was round one and like 2.8 million points. And I mean, that game was made harder than it came there as you asked me at one point in the stream if I was worried if someone was going to beat my high score on hoops. And I was like, after what Steve did to do it, no way. Yeah. I, in I fact, it, it would have been hard for them to do it with just my software changes, but. With what, I mean, he took out the side posts at that point. I mean, hoops is a side drain monster. That's like how all those premieres are because they had those catch all flippers in the middle. They set it up so that they tried to make you side drain on the, on the, the novice finals when they were writing down scores off the hoops. Uh, uh, they were waiting for it to scroll back through and when it was going through the places and every single one was DWK, 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 That's right. DWK. Know your place. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, that was a, uh, I'm very happy we did it. Um, uh, and having the gear now means this is something that is easier for us to look at for special events and set into. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I would say this is something that we would plan on doing on this kind of scale, uh, like all the time, like some of those groups do where, you know, they do one like, like a couple times a month type thing, but uh, yeah. Uh, my, my basic thought would be, um, I guess if people wanted us to do commentary more often, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I wouldn't want to do all of the setup like I did, like I did this. I mean, I, you know, and obviously I'm still exhausted from this still wrapping up event right now, but my initial thought would be for Casey GameCon 2019. Sure. I'm fine with basically planning to do what we did this year. I would be okay with that because that's a year off. I know I'll be all right by then. But if it was something more common, like they wanted to do something on a monthly basis, I'd be like, uh, if you want me to do the commentary, okay. Um, and that might mean I'm even willing to prep uh, rules cheat sheets to, 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 to acknowledge myself as long as I can have other people review them, which is what I did this time. But uh, the wires and the rigs and moving all of that, Obviously, that's a big struggle. And of course, they have to figure out what, I mean, hopefully they're using a location because I do not transport. I mean, this is the first time I've ever let my, one of my games go out onto a location. And the reason I uh, ended up acquiescing, besides I thought it was a really good idea is they borrowed a, they borrowed a trailer. So they came and got my game. That was a huge, that took a whole huge thing off my plate because I would have had to borrow a truck otherwise. And that's just another step to get it to a location that's almost 40 minutes away for me. So, uh, but it, it was fun, exhausting, but fun. So yeah, 10 hour stream. Uh, that's why we're recording now is because as soon as I pushed stop, the first thing I did was say export to YouTube. So that could start happening in the, uh, in the Twitch background. So I didn't have to worry about later. And then I turned to Tony and said, I'm too tired. I don't want a podcast tonight. Let's go get tacos. Yeah. And then I was. I was all on board for that because I was done. Uh, my wife, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter watched the stream the entire way through. She was very excited. And, and when she woke up this morning, cause by the time I got home, she was asleep, uh, because she went to sleep 
basically within 20 minutes of the stream ending last night. Right. Well, she's been ill. Yeah. And so when, when I, when she woke up this morning, she came, she, she came out and, 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 and she, she told me that it was so exciting and that, that, that we were just like golden boy, which oh, is, Oh God, the T-Mobile guy, no. which is, which, which was just, golden boy. <laughs> I'm, you can be golden boy. I'm Puckett. You're Puckett. Of course Puckett. you're Puckett. Yeah, that, no, I actually, I can't wear a hoodie that. to save my life. So I'm Puckett. <laughs> So, but, uh, no, it, it was a good time. And, and like I said, she liked it, but my wife would kept coming in occasionally and would watch it over her shoulder for a couple minutes. And she said, you could tell throughout the course of the day that we were just getting more and more tired oh. and more and more roll yeah. more down. I was, I was jumping towards through little segments of the stream, trying to think is that whether or not if people want to pull or if I want to pull some highlights out, I was just trying to remember what was going on. And I looked and I was like, during a finals, my head is like on my hand. I'm like holding my head up the entire time trying to remember. You can see I'm constantly trying to remember, keep my fingers out from in front of my face to because I knew I was blocking the sound, but I was propping myself up. I was point. doing the, I was doing the, I noticed the same thing. And I'd noticed this, especially towards the end. And I noticed it not even watching the stream. I noticed it there that I kept, that I, I kept propping my, my, my head up or doing this or that. And I was just, and I could tell just how drugged down I was getting. Mm. So it yep. was a, uh, uh, definite, uh, thing. It was, yeah, it was an endurance thing. test. That's, for oh sure. yeah. 24 hours of the sanctum don't have nothing on 10 hours in the casting booth. (laughs) Holy crap. And and then we went and had deep fried tacos covered in powdered cheese. Yeah, that was weird. That That was was weird. It It wasn't bad. It it wasn't bad at all. It was quite good. I think I still have cheese under my fingernails. Yeah, the powdered cheese is just messy, but it tasted great. It was amazing. I was surprised. Mm, I thought about getting there when I left today. It's like, no, 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 no. That's... I just need to get back and we need to get this out. We need to get this in the cans. So. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess we should probably mention the A division winner, uh, Eric German. Yes. Eric German on a beautiful game of Tron. Yes. And uh, that is on stream and you can go and watch it on the link we have to the YouTube of that. Uh, it's obviously towards the end. It's the second to last game, in fact, of the stream. Yes. Second to last because his comeback slash dominance on that particular game put him in first and it put the other three players tied. So they had to go and play another game. Uh, what was it? Bronco? Where yeah. They, they played a yeah. three-way tiebreaker on Bronco. Yes. So uh, in order to determine second, third and fourth, because, and I mean, it was just, it was so, everyone was still in it. That was, what was so exciting about what was happening when it was on Tron. So there are a lot of really interesting scenarios. So it was a good opportunity for there to be a three-way first place tie. Uh, yeah, there were so many scenarios. Yeah. And so the scenario that worked out was Eric got to sit there pretty, waiting for his check and his, and his, uh, hardware and his translate of his choice. He took Star Wars and, um, you just watch as they duked it out to see who got to have second, third and, and, uh, fourth who didn't get any money. I know how that feels. <sighs> yeah. But anyway, so yes, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, go ahead and check that out if you're interested in watching any competitive pinball. Um, we, yeah, we get a little snarky at times, you know, we're not, the, we get more than a little snarky at times. We got a little snarky at times. We knew a lot of these players. So, you know, sometimes we make, we make some remarks, you know, we try to be a little more fun, a little more like the esports commentary and a little less like some of the pinball commentary I see where it just sort of 
goes into people talking about all their bad experiences on whatever game is currently up. So we got to witness plenty of those to make fun of. So you didn't have to worry. Oh, there were tilts. There were outlines galore. It was, it was glorious. Absolutely glorious. So to wrap up our pinball section, Tony, I've got a 20 questions for you. Oh, well, I know, I know, I know for sure one thing it's not going to be. It's not going to be any game. No. That I played yesterday because no. I didn't play a single game yesterday. You played more pinball than I did yesterday. Yeah. Uh, because you- the closest I came to playing pinball was one of the old, or, or a couple of the old EMs. They didn't, the play fields were, were dark unless there was an actual ball in play. Right. So I would actually, uh, fire up a game. So the lights would come up so we could get the lighting set right. And then I would turn it off and drain the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, it was important because, uh, we could get the exposure right on the camera, which otherwise I tried to do it live, which I, I did do at some points, but it, it was very frustrating. So yeah, uh, I, yeah, I did get to play a few games. My niece Nora w- came by with my sister and brother-in-law and they were going and they, they went around and picked up swag and saw some of the video game stuff and they played some of the free play games, which, oh, I do want to note that we, when we went into the planning on KC GameCon, the hope was to have a 12 game tournament bank, mostly consisting of less often encountered solid state and EM games, which were two thirds of the lineup. And also to have four games in a free play area. The free play area ended up, I mean, we had 25 games total. So it's almost 10 games, nine games, I guess, in the, in the always free play area. And then today when I was there, obviously those tournament games were on free play. Um, I, like I went in and put in the side posts on, on hoops. I think some people were going around putting back on the center posts or rubbers on things so that they weren't quite as brutal anymore. So it's like, let's change these now so that when the video game people come and they play, they don't hate pinball. So. So we did some of that. Uh, so, so we got a lot more things and that was actually an, an issue that came up, uh, as an interesting aside before we actually moved to 20 questions. I was told on Thursday when we were doing the setup, the other half of the room, you might remember there were like those circular tables and it was very, very open until you got to the video game area where there are all the bleachers and people able to watch their live streams and such. That was going to be like a vendor hall. That was going to be a section for vendors. They moved the vendors to another room because we were taking too much electricity. <laughs> so that's part yeah, of the issue in 2019. If we want the same room and Casey GameCon basically said we can have the entire room. The s- issue with that room is the circuit breakers that the Expo Center has there cannot accommodate. We can't double the number of games. We can't. They already had to put some of the games on another breaker with like an extension cord. So I guess what they told Carrie was, we can put you guys in another room. So she'll just have to decide if she wants to be in another room or not. They're like, it's no problem. We'll get you somewhere else where we can get you more games in. If you can get, if you can get the games here, we can get you more power. We can do that. Because she was like, Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't, we didn't mean to force the, the vendors out of this room. And they're like, it's no problem. We have plenty of space for vendors. So anyway, that's why we ended up having the whole room to ourselves. Uh, which was kind of, which was kind of cool. And a lot of people did walk through. There was a lot of, yeah, yeah. Through. Cause there was a nice big open door that went, like you said, out to where the bleachers were. So you could have watched the main tournament areas and, and out to where all the actual gaming was, uh, mm-hmm. the e-sporty, e-sport gaming and, and land stuff yeah. was. And, and when I was there on Friday, you'd saw people in cosplay costumes coming in and playing in giant furry outfits, playing pinball games. And it was just, 
It was different. It was different. So, You've not been to a convention, a convention like that? A lot of conventions like that? Not with pinball. I understand Replay FX has cosplay, but I hear it's not as well developed as some of the video game conventions no. are. I, so. I've, been, I've been to a lot of cosplay-heavy conventions. Right. So. Well, I'm just not used to seeing cosplay people in uh, costume play pinball, is all I'm yeah. saying. But hey, it may be a market we want to tap. I don't know. I don't care what market. I'm hoping we see some new people at some of our monthly stuff because we really pimped it. Yep, that would be nice. All right, Tony, 20 questions. I am ready for your first one when you are set to go. Is it an EM? Yes. Is it a Gottlieb? Yes. Hmm. Thinking, 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 thinking. Of course. Is it older than 1965? Yes. Is it older than 60? No. Does it have more than two flippers? No. That's question five. Does it have a symmetrical play field? Hmm. Yes. Is it card themed? No. Is it from 61? No. 62? No. 63? Yes. That's question 10. Okay. I mean, that didn't really help me a whole lot for knowing off the top of my head. It could help you later, though. But it'll help me later. That was kind of a, a, a preset thing. That, that, that was kind of my thinking going into that one. It's just like I could ask who uh, I could go for the for the designers, but I mean it's it, it's Gottlieb, so that doesn't really help because you know back in the EMs, it's like oh good, that that cuts it down to like fifty games. Um, is it sci-fi theme? No. Let's see. 63, two flipper, symmetrical Gottlieb. Uh, am I going to kick myself when I find out what it is? That's not an actual question. That's I don't just... know. I don't, I don't know you that well. <laughs> I don't know what makes you prone to violence. That's just the, 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 the realities of it. Um, let's see. Is it, is it, let's see. Not card themed, not sci-fi themed, symmetrical, two flippers, 63, golly. Is it fantasy themed? No. Is it sports themed? No. Is it themed? No, don't, that's, that's not a real one. That's a, not cards, not sci-fi, not fantasy, not sports. Maybe he's kind of like a slice of life theme so you know like it's just like normal stuff sure yeah i mean i don't think that really helps a lot but is it two player no that's question 15 i know i'm gonna kick myself 
So with 15, I get to cheat. You get to have resources to help you. I get to have resources. Year of release. 1963. Is it a slick chick? Yes. It's the only one in this list I've played. But you have played it. I have, But I have played it. And here's the interesting thing. Slick Chick is actually one that had crossed my mind when I was trying to think of older Gottliebs. Mm-hmm. It, uh, been a, it's a, it is an older Gottlieb. I guess guys with uh, photographing girls in bunny hats while barbershop quartets are singing in the background are slice of life. But Yeah, well, see, that's because I didn't know how to put it. Because, because you know, in, in the 60s, there were a lot of things that it was just, you know, like people at a party. And people doing normal day stuff. It wasn't cards. It wasn't. It wasn't doing sports. It was yeah. just things. It's just people doing stuff. Uh, the name Slick Chick, I guess, actually comes from a restaurant, but it's just kind of like a dinner theater thing, right? With sexy girls as the theme. So, well, it was the '60s. That was pretty much all of that type of thing back then. Because let's see. 63 Gottlieb, we're looking at Flying Chariots, Gaucho, Gigi, Slick Chick, Squareheads, Sweethearts, and Swing Along. I don't think I have played any of those except for Slick Chick. Maybe Swing Along. Let me look at Swing Along. No. But have you not not played Gigi? I don't think so. I don't. I don't recognize it. The name anyway. But let me let me look. At, let me actually look at it. I don't recognize it, and I would think something with that many horrifying clowns on it, I would recognize. Yeah. Well. So yes, yeah, slick chick. Uh, it's what uh, is up with the clown stuff that was so prevalent? Wayne there? Nyan's the designer liked clowns. Oh, okay. But. Um, uh, Slick Chick is known for, besides its art package, a very distinctive pop bumper layout where Slick and Chick uh, and the eye is shared with a, in the center, symmetrical layout, which was a uh, Nyan's preference. Right. It had uh, that big X, that big X. Yeah, it makes a big uh, X. Bumper. I mean, they weren't all pop bumpers, weren't they? As I recall, weren't some of them just like yeah, regular yeah, bumpers? Yeah, it's actually, it actually uses four passive bumpers and five pop bumpers in its yeah. layout. Uh, no outlines on the game. Uh, there's a gobble hole beneath the, uh, center eye, uh, uh, bumper, and that's often a common target. We've played this at Todd, uh, Svek of Big Daddy Enterprises house in, in high score qualifying tournament stuff mm-hmm. before. And generally, if you want to not take last, you want at least to get one ball in that gobble hole. Right. So because there's good points to be had. Yeah. It's a hundred points. So. And it's a single player game and the, uh, the scoring obviously is relatively low on it. It actually has a light that'll light up to show a one if you actually break a thousand, but you'd roll the game after 1999. So anyway, good job. Slick chick. Woohoo. All right. Well, I didn't have anything set up for you on this one. So, okay. Well, we can move on we'll to the you- video game segment. Which you do have stuff set up. Oh, I have so much stuff. I, and I'm going to bounce my order around That's a little fine. bit. Uh, because obviously, because we were been so busy and there were a few announcements yet that, that just came out yesterday that I saw and stuff. So we're going to, we're going to play around a little bit. I want to start with just a little bit of news. Um, this isn't like huge news, uh, but it is, uh, very interesting to me. Uh, for the most part, um, 
the uh, a game I've spoken about uh, on this show since pretty much right after we started. Firewatch mm-hmm. um, is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it will be coming to the Nintendo Switch this month. It will be coming on December 17th. And uh, there are some optimizations being built into the Switch port. Uh that will be carried over to all other platforms eventually. Uh, I'm not sure what those are or when they'll be carried over, but it is coming. Uh, the port was originally announced in April, but it was just, it didn't have a release date until now. So if you have a switch and you have not had a chance to play firewatch on anything else, because it's out on PS4, windows, uh, PC and Xbox one. Um, and it's been out, for two, almost three years now. Um, I highly recommend it. It is a wonderful uh, kind of, I don't want to call it a visual novel because visual novels are their own very special thing, but it is a very fun uh, narrative story. Uh, It's not like a full up video game, video game like you would normally see. Uh, it's just more of a narrative story RPG type thing where you're going through, but it's not like you're ever fighting or doing anything like that. Right. Yeah. It's reviewed very well. Yeah. It is quite enjoyable. Uh, the other thing, uh, is tying into my love of the battle tech, uh, besides the fact that the, um, the new DLC for Battletech uh, released on the 27th of November. Uh, MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries, uh, which is the single player and sometimes multiplayer. I mean, it's normally it always had a multiplayer com- component to it, but uh, the straight up regular um, simulation type of uh, mech warrior game where you're the pilot piloting the mech and as, as opposed to uh battle techs uh, uh strategic turn-based combat view will be releasing on september 10th 2019 with mech warrior 5 mercenaries uh it's been an it is being put out by piranha games piranha games is the one who does mech warrior online which is the all online uh, combat version of the Mech Warrior game. It's basically like uh, World of Tanks or World of Warships or uh, uh, any of those type of games, but is Mech Warrior based. The the thing with that is the Mech Warrior Online. The mechs look nice. Most of the systems and the way it all works together is good. Uh, and I know there's still a fairly large number of people who play it. I just don't like the online component because I like the story and everything else that has been typically in the Mech Warrior games. So I, while I played it for a while, I kind of dropped off of it because it is basically just, oh, you start a battle, the sides are even, the sides beat each other up. And there's some other story stuff going on, but it's not like a real narrative story story. Uh, And it wasn't what I was looking for. It was basically like going online to play Battlefield or Call of Duty and all that, but you were in mechs instead. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it just wasn't really what I was looking for in it. Um, See, where Battletech is set in 3025, uh, 
this will be set in uh, a not too similar uh, time frame. Uh, it'll be set a little later uh, than 3025. It's going to be set between the third and fourth succession wars. And as I recall, the third succession war is, uh, is 3026 is when it starts. Yeah, 3028 is when the Fourth Succession War uh, started. So that put the. So it will be taking place in a similar time zone to when the Battletech game is. So this is taking place pre clan invasion, which for the Battletech people is basically the big uh, uh, time where the the ancestors left and were gone for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then they came back. Uh, and when they came back, they were very much a, uh, force to be reckoned with. Uh, their tech base had not fallen, uh, nearly as far as they hadn't fallen at all. Actually, they, they had actually advanced, and they had actually used, uh, like genetics and they bred genetically for combat. So they came back thinking with the overall assumption to conquer humanity and return it to the righteous path that it should have been on, uh, before they left. Naturally. Of course. Cause that's, you know, what evil genetically engineered people do. Uh-huh. I've never seen different. Yeah. No. Uh, and also, and part of the news going from one of those, uh, bits that would have been in my notes for what I've done lately. I bought myself an early Christmas present uh, when the sales started popping up around Black Friday. A new laptop. Actually, I do have a new laptop coming. I know. That's something that's else entirely. Oh. <laughs> um, that, that, that wasn't a pre-Black Friday sale. That was just me getting a good uh, uh, deal worked out where I was able to get a laptop. It's on the way. I got a new a uh, very high-end gaming laptop uh, that I'm going to use for streaming and for uh, a lot of podcast stuff. And the family's going to use it for other laptop type things, but it's going to give us with between it'll mean between, you know, your laptop and me having a laptop and having stuff with the actual capabilities. It's going to give us a lot more ability to do stuff on the go and away from our normal setups. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, I snagged one of those $200 PS4 slims with the mm. one terabyte drives that came with Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I've been playing a lot of Spider-Man. Um, that game is fun. Uh, I'm not a Spider-Man fan as in, I'm not one of the, I know Spider-Man is Marvel's most popular superhero by far by, by, a t- I mean, by in far. all honesty, if Spider-Man lost half of his fans, he'd probably still be the most popular Marvel superhero. I've never really liked Spider-Man. I don't hate Spider-Man. It's not like I'm like, oh, Spider-Man. I just, I just don't care one way or another about Spider-Man. He's never, he's never had the appeal to me uh, that is most people have uh, with him for whatever reason. But the game, the game's fun. Uh, the thing I really like is the way they handle, 
uh, travel and uh, the web slinging and the swinging between around buildings and swinging through New York. It's very fluid. It's very enjoyable and it's quick and they've, it's very much an open world game because they have the entire, all of New York basically is where the game takes place because it's Spider-Man. So, but you can go down and start, you know, in battery park and just head North and just book it through town. And you have to go all over town doing stuff. And there's landmark, all sorts of landmarks built into everything. And, uh, one of the little side goals, because, you know, every game anymore, open world game has those little side goals where you have to collect something or do this or that. It includes taking pictures of landmarks and you get to the point. I mean, you don't have to do anything special to take the picture. You just have to pull up your, pull up, uh, uh, the camera. Cause I mean, it's Peter Parker. Of course, he's got a camera and take a picture and go on. But it got to the point where my big thing was, Hey, can I take the picture while flying through the air as fast as possible? So I don't have to stop and take the picture. I'll just go and hit as many landmarks as I can, as fast as I can type thing. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I have to say, if you have it, if you, if you have access to play Spider-Man and you haven't, you should give it a try. If you like open world games, uh, the combat's not terrible. Uh, I don't really like the stealthy portions of it. It, it. I mean, there's some stealthy portions of it and some stealthy abilities, and I use them, but I'm not... They feel a little weaker than the rest of the combat and everything else uh, because it's not like you can... It's not like you're, you know, like going into stealth mode and doing the kind of sneaking around you would and something like, you know, like a splinter cell, cell or something like that. It's a much looser... Uh, it's a much, much looser stealth mode. It's a, it's a, Hey, look, there's a guy in a bright red suit standing on an I beam and I'm walking back and forth under him. And somehow I never notice him type stealth. Mm, because, okay. Yeah. It, it's one of those where it's like, okay, yeah, sure. I'm just going to magically assume you don't see me standing on top of this wall, looking at you in my bright red suit. <laughs> but uh, it's not bad. It's been enjoyable. The thing I'm uh, looking forward to is I've already put a bunch of, uh, I've already wishlisted a bunch of PS4 games, seeing as it is coming into Christmas time. So I'm going to hopefully get a bunch more games throughout Christmas to play on, on that. I'm going to, when this, la- when this new laptop arrives, I'm going to get certain games installed on it. Uh, I'm still, I've got almost everything I need to have that laptop ready to go as soon as it gets here. The only thing I need, uh, the only other thing I need is I am still in debate. uh, If I'm going to pull one of the three monitors off my desktop rig to use as a secondary monitor for the laptop. So I can use the laptop for streaming that way. Or if I am going to go purchase a fourth monitor to set up, to use for the laptop. Mm first world computer problem i know it's it's for and well and the other thing is is i was actually saw i saw a really good deal on a tv uh uh in a couple days ago for a uh for a 32 inch tv and i've got an i've got a very old 32 inch tv sitting on my desk now that i've got my that i've got my switch and my ps4 hooked up to and my um Chromecast in that I use for watching movies or, or whatever other 
uh, stuff when I'm using that. And it's also an old 32-inch TV, but I've thought about getting a newer one that has more HDMI ports and and using that just as a a occasional secondary monitor for that computer if I needed to. Mm, okay. Yeah, that the problem that is I should, yeah, I think so. I especially if I got one with a high enough uh quality, I just think the TV I have now, I'm not sure if its quality is going to be high enough. I'm going to try it when the uh that's why I haven't made any decisions and I haven't bought anything yet because I want to wait until it gets here. I see how it looks hooked up to the TV. Uh, with an HDMI cable before I make that decision, uh, before I make that final decision. Okay. So our last thing is Fallout 76. And no, I've not played Fallout 76 because I I love the games Bethesda puts out. Mm -hmm. That said, I will always be one of those first people to admit that at no point in time should you get a Bethesda game the month it comes out Mm. because they always have a bunch of issues that need to be fixed. Um, That said, I did get fallout Four like two weeks after it came out and it wasn't near, but it had bugs that had to be resolved. Yeah. The issue is, is fallout 76's bugs are, um, pretty crazy. Uh, they've had some real big glitches. Uh, uh, one player I recall had run into an issue where something had messed up and they were literally unkillable and their character was just didn't even take damage. It was just mm-hmm. didn't matter what it did. Uh, and there were some. There's been a whole bunch of other bugs. Uh, the standard kind of glitches. It's all issues that Bethesda has, except for they've been uh, doing really a lot worse than normal. Uh, they've been having some uh, disconnect issues. Uh, they've been having some uh, server crashing issues, and it turns out that if you launch a nuke, or if enough nukes get launched at once, or at least it was when it first came out that you would um, crash the server. Oh, yeah, completely. I heard about that. Yeah. And there are bugs where the characters can't leave the power their power armor, except for the power armor disappears, so your guy's just naked, but his arms and everything are all stretched out and weird. <laughs> uh, there's the, 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 the immortality bug I, I, I talked about. Uh, they've been having tons and tons of those type of issues and lots of other more little normal issues. But then the really big issue came out and that's the fact that they, as they do released a special edition, they released a $200 special edition, the wow. 76 power armor edition. That has comes with you know all the same extra silly stuff that collectors editions always come with. But one of the things in in the list was listed as a canvas duffel bag, and they had images of the thing with what looked like a very nice Fallout canvas duffel bag. Unfortunately, that's not the bag that people got when it shipped. When it shipped, they got just a cheap nylon bag. Uh Uh-oh. So, right. 
it, it was one of those things that it happens to them and a fair amount. They got into an issue where the, oh, what do you want to call them? Basically, the, the, the influencers. Two, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was, that was, uh, that, that, that's what ended up happening. But before we got to the influencers, actually, uh, they were having some poor PR problems uh-huh. where, where they were having some of their, their people that you call in with problems to their, uh, uh, I want to call them like GMs is what they'd be in an MMO, but whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, you'd contact them. They were having some PR problems because they're like, oh, that got, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Or no, it was never supposed to be that. Or yeah, it was supposed to be this. Basically what it amounts to is the canvas bag that was in the picture was a prototype that they decided was too expensive to make. Mm-hmm. So they just replaced it with the cheap nylon bag that looked kind of similar to that one. But on top of all of that harshness, instead of refunding people money or anything like that, they offered to give them 500 atoms. And atoms are their purchasable uh, in-game credit. Okay. For it, since it's, you know, Fallout the MMO type thing. Uh, the problem is, is 500 atoms is $5. Mm-hmm. So they bought a $200 thing that was supposed to have this super nice uh, uh, duffel bag made of canvas, and they got no, nah, they got just a cheap nylon bag, and they offered to make it right by giving them $5. I heard that 500 atoms in the Fallout 76 online store isn't enough to buy the in-game duffel bag. It's not. Yeah, it, it, the the Oops. the outfit, the in-game outfit that comes with the duffel bag, they were supposed supposed to get is 700 atoms <sighs> first blizzard and now bethesda what's going yeah. on um i don't know i i really don't know i mean the blizzard thing i think was a completely misunderstanding their people or what they're misunderstanding right. Under- what their misunderstanding player base, blizzcon attendees. right they were misunderstanding the blizzcon attendees and what their player base was expecting um it's gotten bad enough with the issues with Fallout 76 that there have been uh, lots of people trying to get refunds, and there's been talk of a class action suit because the game is so broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But the thing that really pushed people over the limit when it came to the Power Armor Edition is it turns out that while they couldn't make the canvas duffels for that special edition that those people paid $200 for, uh, they were able to make a bunch of canvas bags to give out to influencers. Mm, so that's Twitch where my influencers and YouTubers in. and this and that. Now, we should have gotten some. Yeah. We're not a big enough influencer yet. I did. Maybe we need to let them know of just what big deal we are. I think maybe we do. That that could be part of the problem. It's like I've played your game and said good things about it. I've never streamed it, but I've played it. <laughs> I'd I, stream uh, it if it would quit crashing. Yeah, if it would if it, if it would work, <laughs> I'd stream it. Uh, but the thing is, is the um, it's not the same bag. It's a very different bag. Uh, it, it doesn't look anything like it, but it is a bag that is seen as 
very nice. And it's just influencers got it for free. And the people who pay $200 get nothing. They, uh, they get well, they a got, canvas. Well, I mean, nylon's oh, me, technically nylon. canvas. Sorry. Now, I guess they could try and argue that nylon's canvas. Basically, at this point, Bethesda's answer is, um, we'll try and do better. Uh, okay. And that they're going to try and be, they're going to improve their communication and try and be more transparent on dealing with Fallout 76 issues. Um, so. Okay, well, I'm, at least they said something, but I'm, I'm not sure that's going to really satisfy anyone. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, it's going to be a little harsh run for them. Um, here's the problem. I think w- what a lot of the problem comes down to is they are working with a heavily modified PS2 engine. Yes. That's what they're doing. Yes, I've heard and about that. And, and they just keep adding more stuff onto it and doing minor tweaks to it to make it handle more modern stuff and make it handle um, to be able to force it to do what it what they're trying to make it to do. And they are at a point they need a new engine. Yes. Yeah. And there's nothing to, I mean, that's, that's going to be, take what it takes to fix. This is similar to the issue we talked about with uh, Telltale Games that they were running into is that yeah, their games had good narratives and this and that, but they were getting to a point where they needed a new engine. Mm-hmm. And they weren't, and they didn't have one. Yep. So Sad. we'll have to see, but it, it is Bethesda got hit hard. This has been a rough year for two fan favorite, uh, uh, Game companies uh, between Bethesda and Blizzard both taking major hits. Mm-hmm. So, well, that is their own making. So it is. Yes, it is. Well, we reached the end of the show. We have. We covered pinball. We covered video games. We covered our lives. So, if people want to reach out to us, you can email us eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail dot com, or you can reach out to us on facebook dot com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're available on Instagram and Twitter at eclectic underscore gamers, as well as we are on Twitch as eclectic underscore gamers. And we'll talk to you guys again in about two weeks. Until then, I'm Dennis. I'm Tony. See ya. Bye.